Good evening, folks. Welcome to this, the uh, Fall 2019 School Board Candidates Forum. We're glad you're with us. This evening, uh, we have five of the nine uh, school board candidates appearing with us this evening. I will introduce them momentarily. A uh, few housekeeping issues to let you know how the evening will proceed. We're starting just a little bit late. We have a nine o'clock curfew, but that's flexible, depending on the number of questions that we get. Uh, as moderator, I reserve the right to have a little bit of flexibility there, but we'll stick to something close to nine o'clock. The timekeeper this evening is Diane Davidheiser, and she'll be uh, letting each of the candidates know when they have a uh, minute, excuse me, two minutes, one minute, and then 30 seconds remaining, depending on the length of time for the various questions, etc. We will start with introductory comments by each participant. The time limit for each is three minutes. Then we will have questions uh, that have been prepared previously, as well as questions from the audience. And each candidate will be asked to respond to the same question. Time limit for responses for those questions will be one minute and 30 seconds. And at the conclusion of the evening, uh, we will ask each candidate to make closing comments, a uh, total of one minute each, 60 seconds each. Uh, I should note that uh, as the moderator, I reserve the right to edit and delete questions. If a question is submitted, and in my opinion, I feel that it is biased or skewed in any way. I would ask that uh, the audience hold your applause until the end of the evening. A very, very special thank you to Boyertonary Multi Service for the use of the facility this evening. There are bottles of water in the rear. If you'd like to have a bottle of water in the courtesy of Multi Service, please ask yourself. Help yourself, excuse me. Um, does anyone have, before I introduce the candidates, does anybody have any specific questions before we get started? I would remind you, one and all, remember vote on November 5th and tell your friends and neighbors to do likewise. We have uh, had the candidates select numbers previously, so that will determine the order that they proceed in answering questions, etc. This evening, as I mentioned, we have five candidates uh, participating. And those candidates, if you would uh, raise your hand as I introduce you to acknowledge those candidates that are here this evening are Rod Boyer, Brian Hemingway, Melody McWhorter, Lisa Hogan, and Heather Stamen. Four of the candidates on the 2019 slate are not here this evening. Those candidates are Christine Nyman, Jim Brophy, Brian Lees, and Roger Updegrove. It should be noted, it's very important to note, that all of the candidates were contacted and asked to participate this evening. We will begin with opening comments. 
mentioned earlier, each candidate will have three minutes to make those introductory comments. Timekeeper, are you ready? Timekeeper is ready. We will begin with yes. Why don't you do that during your opening comment? We would appreciate it. That's a very good point. Um, as Mr. Boyer noted, each of the candidates will indicate what region they represent during their opening comments. So we will begin with uh, Rod Boyer. Well, thank you very much. Uh, would you like the candidates to sit here? That's entirely up to you. I'll stay, stay right here. My name is Rod Boyer, and uh, I'm running for school board from Region 1. And uh, uh, Mrs. McWhorter is here. She'll be speaking soon. She's also running for Region 1. She'll mention that. She's not my opponent. She's running for a different seat. I'm running for the four-year seat in Region 1. My opponent is Christine Nyman, who unfortunately uh, uh, is not here tonight. And uh, I wish she were, but she's not. But I'll begin. Uh, I believe that being on a school board is probably one of the most important positions one could aspire to in, in local government, in our community. Uh, we as a community, I believe, have a duty to provide a great education for our students, for our kids, but within the means of our, and means and resources of our community. Uh, I, uh, I believe the school district is in the business of teaching and learning. Our kids get one shot at great education. We have to provide that for them the best we can. I have 34 years experience as a professional educator in a different school district. I'm currently retired from that career, from that profession. I know a couple of things about public education, not everything. I like to think I know a few things after working in it for 34 years as a teacher and department chair and uh, actually as a teacher of teachers. And uh, I'd like to say I've supported uh, numerous endeavors over the past year and a half that I've served on the Boyertown Area School Board, uh, numerous endeavors for improving teaching and learning. Uh, we've been trying, and I've been uh, agreeing to this, improving the uh, endeavors we have to uh, reduce expenditures in our school district. We've been taking broad sweeping measures to do that. We're seeking efficiencies and operations, and I'm happy to say that uh, I've been approving those measures. Um, at, least, at least I believe it was a good thing and I will continue doing that. I've been uh, participating in a lot of professional development as a school board member with PSBA, Pennsylvania School Boards Association, over the past year and a half. Currently I chair the Policy, Human Relations, and Parent and Intergovernmental Relations Committee. I'm also the alternate representative to the DCTC, Berks County uh, Career Technology Center. I'm also serving currently as the student representative liaison for our school board, for our student representatives. Uh, I've been volunteering in our school district for many years since, our, since my daughter has been a student there. She's now a graduate and attending college in her freshman year. And I'm looking forward to hearing your questions and answering them the best I can. Thank you. Next opening comments, uh, Mr. Hemingway. Uh, I live in New Hanover Township. Uh, just to give you a little bit of 
history of who I am, a little bit of bio. I'm a landscape contractor uh, out of Berkeley, Oakville, Indiana Township. Uh, I'm also a substitute teacher uh, for the Morgantown Area School District. I have three children, two of which have gone through Morgantown. Uh, my son uh, is a senior from Texas A&M. My middle daughter is a sophomore, no, she's a junior, goodness, a junior at Kutztown. And she's here with me tonight as my 10-year-old. She attends New Hanover Upper Frederick Elementary School. I've served on the YMCA board in the past. I also served on the seat for the New Hanover Township Sewer Authority. Other activities that I've enjoyed and had the privilege to being a part of was I've coached, I think, just about every sport Town has to offer through Town Optimus. Georgetown Midget League, Georgetown Soccer Club. Uh, I've had the privilege to watch a lot of our young adults uh, grow and thrive. I'm looking forward for the privilege and the opportunity to continue a positive influence on this board. Thank you. Now opening comments, Ms. McWhorter. industry for over 30 years as an organic, synthetic, and medicinal chemist, and these experiences have given me the skills, which I think are important for the school board, um, the ability to analyze and interpret data, and to uh, draw reasonable and rational conclusions, and the ability to work in a team environment. And one of the biggest draws for me for serving on the school board is the ability to give back to the environment, uh, to the community, which I think is for all of us to do. Um, I think that we have a strong school district, and but we're coping really with some fiscal issues that are affecting everything about our school district. And uh, because of the unfunded state mandates uh, regarding, the, for example, the teacher's retirement fund and spe special education and our cyber charter schools, um, our costs have gone up faster than our ability to bring in revenue. And, and it will continue to go that way. Um, so from the 2011 to the 2011-12 school year to the last year, uh, the district contributions to the teachers' retirement fund have increased on average 28.1% a year, which has been mandated by the state, but without funding from the state um, for those huge increases. Um, the special education costs have also increased 7.39% a year from 2006-2007 until last year. And to give you an idea of the costs, in 2006-2007 we contributed about $5 million a year, and it was almost $17 million that we contributed last school year for our um, special education needs. And these, again, are unfunded state mandates. Um, our school district, with its financial um, issues, is not unique in Pennsylvania. Most of us are dealing, most of the school districts are dealing with the same issues, but we, um, we need to work with the state to have them to contribute more to the funding of their mandates um, while utilizing our community 
to help us find a way to keep a balanced budget to increase our revenue and uh, to maybe cut some of these costs. And these are some of the things that I hope we can accomplish from our model school board. Um, I plan on doing the best I can to, um, for the community that elects me, and I hope that I can contribute to solving some of these problems. And I think I forgot to mention at the beginning that I am Region 1, and I am running for the two-year term. Thank you. Thank you. Opening comments, Ms. Hogan. Hi, I'm Lisa Hogan from Region 2. I'd like to echo Melody's thanks to, the, to Mr. David Heiser and to the multi-service. Um, so as I said, I am a candidate in Region 2. I have two children currently enrolled in Bordertown schools. My son, Rowan, is a seventh grader at East, and my daughter, Ella Rose, is a second grader at Gilbertsville. My two other sons graduated from BASH, Jimmy in 2018 and Colin in 2019. My son, I'm sorry, excuse me, my husband, Jim, is a captain in the Philadelphia Fire Department. I've spent the past 14 years advocating for education. In 2005, when my oldest entered kindergarten, I began volunteering with his school's Home and School Association, eventually being elected as the Home and School President. Through that work, I met like-minded parents with whom I advocated a pro-education platform in Harrisburg. Since moving to Gilbertsville from Philadelphia almost three years ago, I have been an active volunteer within our district, both at school events and in the classrooms. I have regularly attended BASD school board meetings where I have vocally advocated for what I believe are best practices within our schools. The time I spent in those meetings and the conversations that I, that I have had with parents and stakeholders over the years have both educated and prepared me to be a responsible and informed school board member. As a parent, I have a good base of knowledge about how, how our district operates at all levels since I currently have or have had in the recent past a child in elementary, middle, and high school. Our educators are top notch and they work hard to deliver a high quality education. I won't make empty promises. I will not lie or compromise myself to win this election. I will promise to be honest and truthful to the best of my knowledge, and I will continue to advocate for equitable education funding in Harrisburg, therefore lessening the burden that rising education costs put on homeowners. If elected, I will commit to listening to the concerns of all of our community members. I will work to continue the tradition of high quality schools in the Bordertown Area School District for both our present day and our future students. Thank you. Thank you. Opening comments by Ms. Stamen. Good evening. I'd like to first thank the Multi-Service for hosting tonight's forum and for Mr. David Heiser for organizing this informative discussion. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Heather Stamen, and I'm excited to be running for a position on our school board in Region 2. As a parent of two children, I have a second grader at Boyertown Elementary and a seventh grader at Middle School West. Um, education is certainly a priority for me. I've lived in this area for over 15 years with my husband, and I'm a brand marketing manager for a regional energy provider. I've been active in our community in a various volunteer roles since moving here in 2002 after graduating from Millersville University with a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration. For the past two and a half years, I've been attending board meetings and have become much more involved and aware of the decisions being made that affect me as a parent and as a resident. 
I've learned about the challenges our district is facing, and I've discussed several ideas with the administration on how to better improve our district as a whole. I believe my participation has prepared me to become an educated and qualified member of the board. Being an effective board member requires collaboration and creative thinking to ensure our resources are invested in improving our schools and that our tax dollars are used effectively and efficiently. Through my years of working in marketing and communications, I have learned how to manage available resources and to work collaboratively with my colleagues to accomplish a variety of goals. I've had the opportunity to volunteer in my children's classrooms in the past seven years and have experienced how teaching and learning has changed and progressed in this short time. I believe I have the experience and understanding to best serve our students, parents, staff, and the community to continue improving the Boyertown Area School District. I look forward to hearing your questions this evening and providing you with a clear understanding of my perspective. Thank you. Thank you to all the candidates for those opening comments. We will now begin the question phase of the evening. And as I mentioned earlier, each candidate for each question will have one minute and 30 seconds to answer the question. One minute and 30 seconds. First question this evening. There has been quite a bit of conversation regarding a $5 million plus price tag on renovations to the high school football stadium. Can you address that? Once again, there has been quite a bit of conversation regarding a $5 million plus price tag on renovations to the high school football stadium. Can you address that issue? We will begin with Mr. Hemingway. Ms. McQuarrow. Sure. So uh, the $5 million that is part of the um, athletic stadium is, is a, a group of projects that were put together. Um, so one was the athletic stadium, which was um, a liability issue. It wasn't safe and, and needed to come down. Um, another was um, we addressed Title IX issues with that $5 million, we improved some of the ADA, um, athletic, uh, not athletic, the uh, Disabilities Act. So these are all liabilities to, financial liabilities to the school district that we needed to improve upon. Um, 
And we also provided a, a garage for our maintenance people to, um, to work in where they could change their oil or do maintenance on their vehicles. So that $5 million isn't just the athletic stadium. There were several other issues that were addressed with that um, stadium, with that $5 million. Thank you. Ms. Hogan. So in my opening statement, I edited a comment that I had in it about um, how we have a minority of candidates and sitting board members who purposefully spread misinformation. This is one of those things that they have spread. This is not, this is misinformation. It has been spread to divide the community. Um, as Melody said, the project was not just for a stadium. It was a, it was a combination of projects rolled into one. I also want to just say, the stadium's built. If we're going to save our district from financial ruin, we need to look forward, not backward. We have too many critical issues facing us to spend our time looking backward at a project that is completed. We need to move forward in order for our district to thrive and survive. Thank you. Ms. Stamen. I don't have much more else to add um, regarding what you know, Kenneth had already said it, that it was more than just bleachers and a grandstand. Um, the actual title of the project was the Athletic Maintenance Modernization Project. Um, which included the demolition of the grandstand, the bleachers, adding a press box, building new facilities that are safe. Um, I went to many football games and other events at the stadium, and you could feel the bleachers move. And if something were to happen, we'd be in a much worse situation than we are now if there was a tragedy. Um, and it's happened, it's the building, it's there, there's not much more that we can do, and we just need to finish through the project and move on, and now we have a stadium to use for athletics, for other activities and for the community to use. Thank you. Mr. Boyer. The old stadium uh, was falling apart. I was volunteering in that old stadium and uh, pieces of steel plates were falling down, pieces of concrete. Uh, when we cleaned, when the, uh, I helped with some parents from the Music League clean out some of the rooms down there. Uh, water was leaking through the walls, and uh, so it had to come down. When the engineer reported to the school board about the bowing in the concrete bleachers, he showed a photograph indicating a laser light, and the bleachers were actually bowing. The old stadium had to come down, uh, it really did, and the current stadium and, and the cost that you mentioned involved the following. The grandstand, the demo of the old grandstand, ADA, which means disability improvements, a new field house with kitchens and bathrooms and concession stands, site work, stormwater work, a maintenance building, and Title IX improvements that are required by federal law. So it had to come down, and the new one going up is about halfway through. There's some more items that are going to be finished on that stadium project over the next year, and hopefully they'll be ready by the next football season. Thank you. Next question. Future status of the Pine Forge Elementary School continues to be a major discussion point. Can you talk about that issue? Again, future status of the Pine Forge Elementary School continues to be a major discussion point. 
and you talk about that issue. We'll begin with Ms. McWhorter. So this is ongoing with the board presently, and I know that they're going to be voting on whether or not it gets closed on November 29th, I believe. And uh, whatever the board ends up deciding, I think is what I will work with in the future. You know, it's, it's a difficult situation right now. There is uh, a lot of emotion involved in it. But there's also a lot of money that's tied up with fixing it, bringing it up to standards, and um, I, I don't know if the school board, if the school district has that money. Thank you. Ms. Hogan. So in my opening statement, I said that I would not lie or compromise myself to win an election, which is absolutely true. As far as Pine Forge goes, I can honestly say that I don't feel that I have seen all of the data that I have heard. I, I know there is testimony that was submitted via email from residents that I have not seen. Um, and I really think I'm not in a place where I can really comfortably make a, de a decision on that. Um, as Melody said, this is something that the board now, you know, is working on. I know some candidates are saying that they would reopen the vote. I would be very careful about believing them because we are in a serious financial crisis. That's why not, not knowing exactly where we are, I do not feel that it would be fair for me to say, oh, I would keep Pine Forge open. As a parent, I have a lot of compassion for those families and those children because it is a difficult, it's a difficult situation and it's going to be painful and there's going to be a lot of painful situations moving forward as we really right the financial ship of this district. Thank you. Ms. Stamen? So as a parent, I understand where people are coming from. Um, you know, my kids, Went to Boy one of them went to Boyertown Elementary, one's currently there. Um, it's a great school. When I lived in the borough, we decided to move and we specifically picked a house to stay at Boyertown Elementary. So I understand the difficulty that many of the families are feeling both with Pine Forge and, the, and redistricting coming forward next year. Um, I've attended many meetings, the public hearing, um, from seeing all the information that's been presented to the public, I don't know what the right answer is. I've seen it, I still have concerns about what do, if we close Pine Forge, what does it do to the enrollment at other schools? What if the growth in certain areas can, you know, goes faster than we expect? You know, what is, where is the plan for our staff to be reallocated to other schools? What is the transportation issue? I'd love to see a full implementation plan and then be able to make that full decision of is this the right way that we need to go, so thank you. Thank you. Mr. Boyer. Well, back in May, I voted to uh, take this issue to a public hearing because I believe that getting all the facts out in a formal quasi-judicial setting was the best way to go. So people could testify, evidence could be presented, data could be presented, and we had the hearing in August. Uh, 
I'm, I'm currently a sitting member of the board, and therefore I'm going to be asked to adjudicate this issue on November 26th. So uh, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind, and I'm truthfully doing that. I'm still uh, studying the data, still uh, studying my notes from the hearing. I know we're still taking, we had been taking testimony in written form up until the end of September. And in fact, just today, we received some more information, some more data. So I'm still studying the data, still thinking about it. I'm still listening to what people have to say about the issue. So if you have anything to say and any information or opinions, I'm still open to listen to those things. I'm keeping an open mind. I'm going to continue to study and keep an open mind until I have to make a decision on November 26th. Thank you. Mr. Hemingway. I'm sensitive to George. I have friends who work there. I have students that I coach who've gone there. I've taught there as a substitute. For now, I'm a civilian. I'm a parent, just like everybody else. I'm relying on my school board, my elected officials, to represent. I need to trust them. I know that they are not taking this decision lightly. They're doing the due diligence. They're doing their research. They're listening to the experts. They're looking into the crystal ball to see possibly what the future holds. Now, if I get elected next year, you're, you can reopen this, change it. I'm going to be respectful to the current school board's decision. I will, however, always engage in conversation and see what that leads. But my main goal is to look to the future and not look backwards, have eyes in the front of our head, not in the back. A decision is a decision, whether I agree or not. This is my school board right now, and I will respect them. Next year, when I serve, if I serve, hopefully, again, as I say, I'm always engaged in the opportunity to hear other thoughts, but I think it would be counterproductive for our district to backpedal. Thank you. Next question. Our school district has had a number of different superintendents in recent years. In your opinion, what is the key to retaining a superintendent for an extended number of years? Again, our school district has had a number of different superintendents in recent years. In your opinion, what is the key to retaining a superintendent for an extended number of years? We will begin with Ms. Hogan. So this is actually one of the reasons I chose to run. When I first moved up here, like I said, almost three years ago, I started attending school board meetings. And what I saw was truly shocking. It was shocking, it was disappointing, it was incredibly bad behavior, obstructive behavior by certain board members who, it is my opinion, were simply there to be obstructive or, or they had personal agendas. Um, all of those things, I think, accumulated and we have, it's not just superintendents, we've had a mass exodus of talent in this district because people do not want to work where they are not appreciated by their school boards. And superintendents certainly don't want to work where their school boards are so fraught and so, I can't even think of the word right now, so excuse me, but um, divided. 
is the word. Divided and not working in the best interest of the children, certain members. Um, so I would say we need to elect mature, responsible people who are informed. That's how we keep a superintendent. That's how we turn this district around. That's how we create financial health. That's how we make best educational outcomes for our students. Thank you. Ms. David. I'm gonna have to second what Lisa said. Um, in attending school board meeting, it was very, very frustrating to see some board members not participating or um, not working together collaboratively. While you don't have to have the same opinion and agree with everybody, you should be respectful of them. And working in a, you know, in a toxic environment is not something that somebody wants to do, whether you're volunteering or you're getting paid for it. Um, so I think we just need to work collaboratively together for the main thing of having students first. Mr. Boyer. The uh, Board of School Directors has a duty to hire a superintendent and to govern his activities and to give him or her direction in managing and running the school district. The superintendent is uh, like, a, like a CEO in the corporate world. Uh, and although, even though the, even though the board uh, oversees the superintendent and uh, all nine members of the board are kind of like his boss or her boss, the uh, board should still work together with the superintendent to accomplish the goals of the school district, to accomplish the mission of the school district. Unfortunately, in recent past years, we've had some board members who have attempted to obstruct and hinder our superintendent and other uh, administrators, we've lost a lot of administrators. Yes, we should pull the superintendent back to earth when he deserves or she deserves to be pulled back down to earth. That's true. But we have to uh, stop being uh, or stop allowing perpetual malcontents to chase our administrators away. Thanks. Mr. Hemingway. I agree with basically what you've already heard. Nobody wants to work where it's not fun. We like to see results. We all go to work uh, with the, the idea. At the end of the day, you want to say, you know, I did a good job. I made a difference. But when you have an antagonist type culture, not allowing that, it can be very frustrating. I have times where I'm on the job, and ooh, sometimes you just want to up and go. Chemistry, you have to have a team that works together. I'm a landscape contractor. And if we're not all on the same page, if somebody's filling the hole as fast as I'm digging the hole, we're not gonna get anywhere. So you have to work together as a team. You don't all have to agree. It's good not to agree. That's how great outcomes come. I welcome a challenge. We all should. That's what helps get you through the day. But not in an antagonistic type of way. Ms. McWhorter. Thank you. Uh, I, I have to agree with what everybody else has said, that it's, we had a um, difficult school board with, with members that just weren't willing to work together. And I think we can all have different opinions and different thoughts, um, and, and we need to get those out, but we need to respect one another and work together as a team. Thank you.
Next question. Major housing projects are planned for the Montgomery County portion of the school district. What is your game plan for our school district dealing with the potential escalating student enrollment? Again, major housing projects have been planned for the Montgomery County portion of the school district. What is your game plan for our school district dealing with the potential escalating student enrollment? We will begin with Ms. Stamen. So the board's already taken steps for um, next year to begin redistricting. So looking at the capacity of the current schools, um, primarily Gilbertsville and New Hanover, where we are experiencing growth already. And while there are potential new developments coming to the area, we don't know the people that are moving there. You know, there are estimates of how many people and how many students potentially could add to the district, but we don't know, are they going to be a kindergarten, a second grader, a seventh grader, a tenth grader, and does it mean that everybody moving into one development is gonna be all at that same grade level? So I think we're doing a good job of planning and working with our local townships to figure out what's happening, the number of houses that are potentially coming, um, that are you know lined up on the way, but with potential signs of a recession in the future, who knows if these developments are gonna continue growing the way that they are at this point. Um, so I think it's just making sure that we're aware of what's happening in the district, working with our townships, and you know having a five-year plan to know what's going on if this growth happens, and continuing just to be fluid in our decisions. Mr. Boyer. Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm very concerned about the additional housing that's planned for the uh, Eastern Township Center School District. They've been talking about that for a long time. Thus, uh, thus far, nothing has come to fruition in, in regard to uh, additional students coming in to a great extent. We're not sure if these students will be elementary, middle school, or high school yet. I know that we're going to have to reassign students at some point if we increase population in the schools in the uh, eastern townships of our school district. There's also concern about Pine Forge, that if that building were to close, would be an additional 200 or so seats that wouldn't be available, but the consultants that reported to our school district have, uh, have expressed their confidence that there is room in the other elementary schools to take those, those students that might be reassigned. Uh, and I've got to also add that uh, there was talk of adding on to Cole Brookdale Elementary as a, as a possibility. Currently, there's no money to do that, and we can't borrow anymore to do that, so hopefully, at some point in the future, a future board might be able to refinance some bonds to free up some money and save some money to be able to at least get that project started if we ever really need it. But as of now, uh, we really don't at this point. Mr. Hemingway. Okay, Nathan, I'm silly, but if it's calling for rain, I make sure I have an umbrella close by. I'm not going to claim to come in with a plan But what I will do is work with the, with the board and together through all our minds and our ideas and the, the data and the experts, we will come up with a plan. Now, is it a concern of mine? Of course. I'm a resident of this area. Of course it's a concern. What the exact plan is, I don't think it's fair to say we have one yet. 
Is it on our mind? Are we developing it? Sure. We work together to come up with the best possible scenario to forecast what the future holds. When I served on the New Hanover Sewage Garden, we always have to try to plan many, many years ahead. We have a lot of plans that are have approval, but sit and wait, and sit and wait, and sit and wait. So what do you do? Do you build the sewer line, or do you wait for these developments to come through? But again, you make sure you have that umbrella close by in case it does rain. And I know that we'll come up with a plan that will keep us on track, on budget, and be fair to the students and to our community. Yes, so earlier this year, the administration um, had hired a firm to give a five-year plan for um, what, what um, sort of growth is going to be happening in the school district. And um, they gave us a five-year plan, and this contributed to the right-sizing plan that we have ongoing right now. And one of the things that was pointed out at these, um, when the reports came back from the um, contracted firm, was that you can only look out um, in, the, in the future with a four to five year plan with how the um, developments come to fruition. You know, like there are a lot of planned developments, but not all of them end up um, getting built. And some of them, uh, some of them don't have that many children in them. So th this is something that we have to take into account is, is how many, how many um, children are gonna be in these uh, new developments that happen. So we've gotta look again in a couple of years. Ms. Hogan. So I, I think my fellow candidates have answered this question pretty thoroughly. Um, so I'm just gonna echo what they said, which is that um, we don't know what, where these students will be coming at, in at. I know when I moved here, I moved in with a 10th grader, an 11th grader, a 4th grader, and a preschooler. Um, so not every family who moves here is moving here with three kids who are in first, second, and third grade. Um, we do also know that in Boyertown and nationally, birth rates are declining, so people are just having less children. Um, and we also know that we have close to a thousand unoccupied available seats in our schools as they as it stands. So I think that pretty much answers that question. Thank you. Thank you. Next question this evening. How do you plan to balance the needs of the children with your fiscal responsibility? How do you plan to balance the needs of the children with your fiscal responsibility? We will start with Mr. Boyer. Well, over the past year or so, since I've been serving on the board, uh, we have had a superintendent who has recommended to us a number of broad sweeping expenditure reductions and we've been implementing those expenditure reductions over the past year, year and a half. And I'm sure he's gonna come forth with some more in the coming uh, budget year that, that's gonna be coming up pretty soon. Uh, I believe that we should be making these expenditure reductions, finding the efficiencies in our operations. 
I, I believe we should do our best to avoid uh, any effect on curricular student programs. Uh, that's what we want to stay away from, and thus far we've been doing that. We've also been finding some savings through attrition as someone leaves the position or retires or whatever. And uh, we'll continue doing that, I'm sure. But uh, it's going to be very tough, and there'll be a lot of very unpopular decisions being made for this new board that will be seated very soon. And it will involve expenditure reductions, as I have mentioned. What they are, we don't know yet. We'll have to see. But we should stay away from our curricular student programs. Mr. Hemingway. a little differently, but then we need to take care of that off the line. So to answer that question, I'm going to rely on those who know what they're doing. It's not my job to tell them what to do. My job is to find the right people, the experts, trust them. And through discussion of my board, our board, your board, be reflective of the community's response. Be open-minded. Trust the plan. Ms. McWhorter. Thank you. So I think that both Mr. Boyer and Mr. Hemingway have made some very good points. Um, I think we have some difficult decisions coming forward. We are in a financial crisis. Um, but our children are the most important thing out there, so we, we definitely need to step up to their, to their needs. Um, and most of those needs are mandated by the state, so we have to take care of them legally. I think we're gonna have to work with the state to, and the community, um, and not just through um, the parents, but also with the businesses. We need to get more feedback on how to get our, um, our financial house in order to help meet the needs of the children. Right? And there's no easy answer for this. So I look forward to uh, working with this problem or dealing with this as I go forward on the school board. Thank you. Ms. Hogan? So I'm gonna give it to you straight. Part of responsibly running a district is being able to set a responsible budget. We cannot do that right now without raising taxes. That is, that's just the truth. Anyone who tells you that that's not true are lying to you. Um, we are in serious financial, we're in a financial crisis. I'm not gonna lie about that either. That's the word I would use, crisis. Um, it is projected that in six years, we could be in $20 million of debt. That is a huge, huge number. It is projected that within 
two to three years, we could be insolvent, which means we can't pay our bills. We have to raise taxes. We have to take the exception. We have to do this for the sake of our children and for our community, because strong schools make strong communities. Less crime, healthier residents, um, just overall better place, and it's also good for your property values. People want to move to districts that are thriving. We have to turn Boyertown around financially. Thank you. Ms. Damon. So from the short-sightedness of previous boards, we're in the situation today. We did raise taxes effectively over the past 10 years. If we would have done that, we wouldn't be here today. We'd have a surplus to be able to slowly raise taxes, pay our bills, better do, do better for our students. Um, education's important. The school district's here to serve the public and provide public education to our students. If we don't have a strong school district, people won't wanna come here. They're gonna leave. Your property values are gonna decline. While being fiscally responsible, if we raise taxes, we all raise our own taxes. It's where we don't have an exemption from that. Um, I think we need to look at you know what the administration's already doing. They've made cuts, they found ways to do things better, and we need to continue doing that. I think we need to look at what other districts are doing and how they're finding cost savings and how that can apply to our district. Let's work together with our local communities and the other school districts to figure out how all of us for the Tri-County area can do better for everybody. So thank you. Thank you. Next question this evening. At the Spring Candidates Forum, that would be earlier this year, spring of 2019, a participant indicated that perhaps our school population won't grow because families may choose private or charter schools instead. What are your thoughts on the importance of attracting our community families to the Boyertown Area School District? We will begin with Mr. Hemingway. Nobody wants to lose part of their community. We are one Boyertown, correct? We don't want to have estranged family members. Boyertown School District has provided for my family to phenomenal education. I want to see it continue providing phenomenal education. I don't want to lose kids. I want to gain kids. I want to make a, a make this area attractive to bring in great minds, future board members, future athletes, future young adults. This is, a, this is a problem that we are facing. I went to private, private school, originally from Baltimore. I know how that side is also. I chose for my kids to continue in public education. It's a good school district, and I want to make sure it remains the best school district. Yes, indeed, I'm going to repeat the question. At the spring, Candidates form a participant indicated that perhaps our school population will not grow because families 
are choosing or may choose private or charter schools. What are your thoughts on the importance of attracting our community families to the Boyertown Area School District? Ms. McWhorter. So there are kind of, in my mind, there are two parts to this, two, two questions that were asked. One, one has to do with attracting people to our school and the other has to do with people choosing charter schools. And so I'm, I'm gonna just briefly touch upon attracting people to our, our um, school district. Uh, at last night's committee meeting, uh, they had the um, communications person stand up and talk about some of the things that, are, that she's doing with our communications um, using Facebook and some of, some of the hurdles she's had so far because she's just recently started and maybe in the last month. But I think that she is doing a fantastic job of getting the wonderful things out about our community um, and our school district and bringing people, letting people know what the good things are about our, our school district. Now the other, the second half of this is people going to um, cyber schools and charter schools. And again, this is a financial issue. There is, it is far more expensive for our students to be going to the charter schools and cyber schools than it is for them to be going to our school. And this is money that our school district needs to pay for when they go to these cyber and charter schools. We have to pay for this. And this is another financial issue that we're dealing with and we need to again bring them back into our own district. Ms. Hogan. Sorry, I have a little bit of a cold for a minute. I thought I lost my voice. I'm gonna call on Ms. Davidheiser to take over. But she says no, she's just gonna do the timing. So I'm from Philadelphia, a place where our public school system has been failing for many, many years. That's the truth. Um, run down schools, no school nurses, a lack of funding, a lack of books for kids to use. I went to parochial school. My, my parents sent me to parochial school. My children went to a charter school. So how do we attract people? My kids went to a charter school because I would not send them to schools that could not do the job of educating them. How do we attract people? We make sure that our schools are funded, that they are thriving places where education is valued and where extracurriculars are valued where there's lots of choice and we make sure that we have nurses we make sure that we have school counselors we make sure that all the infrastructure is there for our children to succeed that's how we attract people here people choose public schools for the most part when they can when their school districts are strong districts providing a high quality education thank you yes statement when my husband and I were looking for homes in 2002, we specifically chose Boyertown before we even decided we were gonna have kids because we knew how great the school system was. And now that we have Mrs. Moyer in a communication position, having a background in marketing communications, we've started talking about all the great things that our district does. Just the post today about the students going to the um, national TSA competition and how strong that program is, how amazing our band program is, 
three teams tomorrow are playing in state champion or in Pac-10 championship games. So girls soccer, boys soccer, and girls volleyball. We have phenomenal programs and we need to start telling people about them and why they need to move to our district, stay in our district, and not go to cyber charter schools or our charter schools because they have those same opportunities here. We just need to talk about them and share. And people that, you know, us that have kids in the district tell everybody how great of a school district is. My son has, you know, last year had yoga in class in first grade. Amazing thing to have is opportunities where if he went to cyber school, he wouldn't have that. So I think we just need to continue to share how great our district is and it'll continue to improve as we do that. Mr. Boyer. Well, to attract families, I believe we have to, uh, we have to show and tell. We have to tell them about and show them the academic successes that our students have, uh, have accomplished. And uh, we have to show them and tell them and uh, prove to them that we have great athletic programs, music, arts, theater. We have uh, excellent courses at the high school with concurrent enrollment in a couple of uh, local colleges. Uh, we have an excellent list of AP courses available to students. We've had students go on to great uh, colleges and uh, we've had our BCTC students go on to great careers in the various trades. And uh, we've had students go on to great careers in the military. As, as one of my colleagues mentioned, we have uh, students who have excelled with TSA and the Tech Ed program, model government. We have all these great things going on in our school district. We need to tell people about that and market that. Um, and also that we have I believe to be uh, what appears, what I know to be modern and safe buildings. We have to continue uh, with that, with modern and safe buildings and facilities for our students. And by marketing all that, I believe that would attract families. We have a lot of good things to tell and we should continue doing that. Thank you. Next question this evening. What is your favorite thing about public education? What is your favorite thing about public education? We will start with uh, Ms. McCord. My favorite thing, I think, is uh, how many opportunities there are for our students to go out there and, and to try so much before leaving the school. Uh, you know, my own two sons, they are so different. Um, one, one did the TSA program um, and, and did it from seventh grade, started in junior high, seventh grade to when he was a senior. He's got a degree in engineering and now uh, he had gone through school, Air, Air Force ROTC, and now he's um, learning how to fly planes. And you know, I think that so many of the opportunities that he had at Boyertown helped him decide what, which way to go. My other son is a musician he participated in, in the band, um, in jazz band and um, in the marching band and in show choir. He's very involved in music and two totally different experiences the two had and, and how they've gone forward with what they're doing. And uh, they just both make me so proud. Ms. Hogan. So my favorite thing about 
um, well-funded public schools is that I believe they are society's great equalizer, meaning that no matter where you come from, if you go to a great school where you have access to amazing opportunities, you can make something of yourself. It's really the promise of America. My favorite thing about Boyer County area schools um, is, again, the opportunity. So I went to, again, I went to a parochial school. Um, I had very little opportunity. It was very narrow. I didn't have a lot of choices. My children went to a charter school where they had more choices than I did. They, they still did not have all the choices. When we came here, it was like a new world. So many opportunities. So much happening. So much going on. And it was really just a thriving hub of academic, and extracurricular, just like, I'm looking for the, I'm obviously searching for the word, but it, it was super impressive. So that's my favorite thing about our Boyertown schools. Ms. Damon. I think, you know, it's the opportunities too. So when my daughter was going into sixth grade, um, so she's in fifth grade, she got a list of clubs that she could participate in sixth grade. And it was a choice for her to decide kind of where she wanted to do and what she wanted to do with her future. So as she was going through and looking, she decided to sign up for TSA. I was surprised. I was like, okay, whatever. Then goes to sixth grade and to find out she's the only girl at West to be part of TSA. And to have that opportunity in sixth grade in Boyertown to be able to experience how to use a 3D printer how to work on CAD, how to design a robot. I didn't have those opportunities in school. I was making, I was wood shop and I made a clock. Like that's my tech ed experience. So to be able to see the growth of, you know, when I graduated in 98 to where, you know, our kids have these opportunities to be able to, you know, drive their own future and make their own path of whether they want to go into a trade, whether they want to go into teaching, whether they want to go engineering, music, you know, the world is their oyster, and they get to pick, you know, at such a young age to be able to decide, you know, what they're going to do with their lives. So thank you. Mr. Boyer. Thanks. I believe public schools, public education is the bedrock of our society. Our founding fathers recognized that many centuries ago, that an educated citizenry is crucial to a thriving republic and a thriving economy. And I think that's what public schools provide for our kids and our community. If, if uh, parents want to send their students, their, their kids to a private school or parochial school, Christian school, whatever, uh, you know, that's, that's their, their privilege. And I wish them well. Uh, in some cases, in most cases, it costs a lot of money. However, for the vast majority of our working class parents and working class families, they can't afford that. And they're depending upon uh, thriving public schools, strong public schools, to provide education for their kids. And I think we're, we have a duty to provide that, as I said before, within the needs of our community. Mr. Hemingway.
but we're not enjoying our return. We're forgetting about that return. It does have a cost. But that money is buying you something. It's buying you involvement in, into the future of our community. Involvement. My favorite thing about public education is I can be involved. I can make a difference. I can have a say. I can enjoy my neighbor. Thank you. Next question this evening. High school coaching salaries in the Boyertown School District are lower than those of many nearby school districts. Do you see this as a major concern? Again, high school coaching salaries are lower than those of many nearby school districts. Do you see this as a major concern? We'll begin with Ms. Hogan. So it's not just high school um, coaches. It is a lot of support staff in general. It is our school nurses. Excuse me, I apologize. Um, it is our school nurses. It is the, um, the people who stand out in the playgrounds and in the lunchrooms to make sure our children are safe. It is our substitute teachers that come in and uh, teach our children when their teachers can't be in the classroom. It, all of, we really need to right size salaries. Unfortunately, we are in a position right now where that's gonna be difficult because of our financial crisis. We need to right the ship. We need to make sure that we can recruit talent. And um, once we right the ship, yeah, I do think, I think we should be definitely looking at those salaries and we should be making sure we are at least at the midpoint for salaries. We don't have to be the highest, we certainly should not be the lowest, but let's at least make sure we are at the midpoint. Thank you. Ms. Damon. So as a former high school cheerleading coach, I got paid nothing, very minimal for the amount of time and dedication I put into coaching a squad of cheerleaders. Um, and as Lisa said, it's not just our coaching staff. It's our paraprofessionals. It's our nurses. It's our aides, substitute teachers. We need to make sure that we're fully staffed to, to ensure that our students are getting the best education and the support that they need in the classrooms, on the playgrounds, in the cafeteria, school counseling, everywhere, in every aspect of you know, our district. We need to make sure that we are um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, <laughs> yes, attracting qualified um, candidates for those positions. And if we're not being able to provide them an equitable salary, we're not going to get those qualified teachers. And again, we're not going to, you know, bring in people into our district and make sure that, you know, we are providing the best education for our students. Mr. Boyer. Thanks. We just heard a report on this last evening at our committee meeting, um, our HR committee meeting. And uh, it's not just coaches where we're having a problem with lower salaries. We're in a competitive environment in our geographical area with a lot of other school districts. In addition to coaches, in, in all fields, like uh, as was mentioned just a few moments ago, nurses, substitute teachers, custodians, skilled craft 
craftsmen like HVAC and electricians and plumbers. Uh, we're paying lower than, than other school districts and we're paying lower than some businesses in the area. We're competing against them also. So I, need, I think we need to uh, uh, look at this problem going forward. It's gonna be a budget problem and uh, we need to really think hard and study this because if we can't uh, pay a little bit more to attract more talent to our school district, we're not gonna have not only coaches, but nurses and electricians and, and HVAC and all those types of uh, services. So it's something to think about, something to study going forward, and the next school board will have to be looking at that very, very closely. Mr. Hemingway. Honestly, Mr. Boyer pretty much sums up that on my feelings also. Of course you have to be competitive uh, and explore reasonable, fair salaries. Uh, as I said, I'm a substitute teacher. I have the option of subbing close to 10 different districts. Some pay much more, some pay much less. But I choose to stay Boyer County, I'm fairly loyal to the Boyer County School District. So I know there are a lot of loyal employees, faculty, staff, but they do need to be also considered important enough that we need to pay them fairly and appropriately. And of course, that's something that I will take as a priority and take close to heart. Ms. McWhorter. I believe that everyone here has um, summed up the problem is that our district pays all of our support staff, nurses, custodians, everyone. And, and this was summed up yesterday in the HR committee meeting Boyer mentioned. Um, and, and so I think this is something that's going to be looked at as, as we go forward. Even though we are in a financial crisis, I think that they need to find ways to ensure that our um, coaching salaries become more competitive with the other areas, other school districts. Thanks. Thank you. Next question. Did the school district make a wise decision to follow the recommendation of the superintendent to seek bids for transportation last year? Why or why not? Again, did the school district make a wise decision to follow the recommendation of the superintendent to seek bids for transportation last year? Why or why not? We'll begin with Ms. Stamen. I think we were doing our due diligence we needed to make sure we were getting the best that we could get. And if we didn't do that, it would be a disservice to our taxpayers and our residents. I buy advertising every day, and I look at what my options are and who is the best and meets the best needs of what I need to reach. So if we didn't do that and we just continued to you know, stay with the course that we're doing, are we getting the best prices? Are we getting the best service? Are we getting the best for our students? Are there other options that we can do? Do we have the safest buses? Do we need extra, you know, other things that are included in transportation? So are there different types of fueling that we can use? Are there other ways that we can cut that budget or make it more environmentally friendly for our students to be able to get to school, get home safely? 
Mr. Boyer. Yes, I think it's wise to seek the lowest price in everything that we do. We owe that to our taxpayers. If we can uh, uh, buy a service or pay for a service at a lower price, we should check into it. And I think it would be irresponsible not to uh, seek out the best deal for our taxpayers. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a great thing. It should be done all across the board when seeking supplies, services, or whatever. Mr. Hemingway. I do believe in having healthy relationships with whoever we have contracts with, our vendors, our transportation services. But it's reckless not to explore other options. So yes, I do support his decision in getting big. I've been in business with some customers now 20, Eight, 29 years, and I expect them to every now and then keep me in check. So I don't think it's anything that is obnoxious, not being friendly to our friends that we work with. I think it should be expected and explored each year. Ms. McWhorter? Absolutely. Uh, we should be bidding out our, our bus contract. It's a huge contract. Six or seven million, but I'm not sure if that's the exact number. It's um, a lot of money. We are in a budget crisis, a financial crisis. We need to ensure that we are getting uh, the best bang for the buck out there. So, yes, we need to bid. Ms. Hogan. Thank you. I'm going to echo everyone else's comments about. Um, being fiscally responsible. If we are stewards of taxpayer money, it is our job to be fiscally responsible and part of that responsibility is bidding out that contract. I was at the school board meeting um, where this particular issue was talked about and I can say that one of the members was dead set against this. This is also the same member who is always saying um, that we spend too much money. So I think as a community, we need to decide, what do we want? Do we want tax do we want to be good stewards of taxpayer money? Sometimes that means we have to make tough decisions. Sometimes that means we have to look at our vendors. We have to look at things that we've always done and say, is this still reasonable? Does this still make sense? Um, so I think as a school board member, that's your responsibility. So I believe the school board did the right thing in sending that bid process out. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. Thank you. Thank you. Next question this evening. What does quote one Boyertown unquote mean to you? What does one Boyertown mean to you? And how will that concept guide your decision making as a board member? I'll repeat that. What does one Boyertown mean to you? How will that concept guide your decision making as a board member? We will begin with Mr. Boyer. Thanks. We are one school district. We're a very large school district geographically, and uh, that's, you could <laughs> prove that by driving from one end to the other. But we are still one school district, one Boyertown school district. It really bothers me that some folks like to consider themselves Berks Countyans uh, rather than uh, part of this one school district. Uh, yes, we straddle two counties, 
but we have to remember that our students are all together in their education and our teachers are all together in this and our schools are all together. When the kids get to middle school and high school, they're all together and I just, I just don't get it why some folks think of us as being Berks County folks or Montgomery County folks or whatever. And I, I really think that uh, we should be thinking about that as we make decisions that will benefit and affect our entire school district, all the students, all the parents, and all the families, and not just from one county or one township or another. Mr. Hemingway. I actually used the, the phrase one Boyer Town in an earlier question. At one Boyer Town, I'm gonna take that I'm gonna take it even a step further. Yes, we are one school district, but we are one community. Students first, of course. But however, I have to look at the health and stability of our community. We need to work together. We need to all be on the same page. As Mr. Boyer said, it's not first Montgomery. I guess we would be at each other here, but not Montgomery. Next to each other. No more of that. We got to work together. We got a lot of great minds, great community. I keep emphasizing community, community, community. This is our Boyer Town, and we need to embrace that and protect it. And that's what I intend to do. Ms. McWhorter. One Boyer Town, one school district. We really need to emphasize that. We, we can't have. Uh, kids or parents, I guess, confident to parents that I see differentiating us. Uh, we, we are a big and diverse school district and we need to come together and work together as one. One for your time. Ms. Hogan. So um, my my second son played football for Boyertown. I can tell you as a fact, those kids do not care if their friends live in Berks or if their friends live in Montgomery County. It is not even something they think about. It doesn't matter to them. I do understand that we have a large geographical school district that straddles two counties and that those counties can be very different. Here's the absolute bottom line. The school board is in the business of governing the school district and making sure that it is delivering high quality education. That's what one border town is about. It's not about whether, oh, it's not about the zip code you live in, it isn't about the region you live in, it is about making sure that all of our children are accessing the same high quality education. And that's what I would focus on as a board member. Ms. Stamen. One border town. If I live in Berks County, I live in Montgomery County now. Regardless, I lived in Boyertown School District. It's where I lived. Um, and I think what Lisa said too is about, you know, what happens in one elementary school needs to happen in every single elementary school. It needs to be equitable across the entire district and all of our students have the opportunity for that. So that would kind of be what's driving my decision as a school board. And as Mr. Hemingway said too, when our community comes together, we can do amazing things. We had a tragedy earlier this summer. We came together and it didn't matter where you lived and we did incredible and amazing things. So we should be doing the same thing as a school district. Come together, let's continue to do amazing things for the school district. Thank you.
Next question is multi-pronged, so to speak, so I would ask you to listen very, very carefully. When you have a minority viewpoint on an issue, what is your role and responsibility as a school board member, both during deliberation on the matter and after a board decision has been made? Again, when you have a minority viewpoint on an issue, what is your role and responsibility as a school board member, both during deliberation on the matter and then after a board decision has been made? We will begin with Mr. Hemingway. Well, I have to be respectful of those who are the majority, and in return, I hope that they would respect my opinion as a minority. First thing I would do is put my emotions aside, which can be difficult for all of us. Put my big boy pants on, I guess, if you want to say. Tuck it up. Uh, I have to trust their decision. They are the majority. Analyze what they're saying. Accept what they say. And to be honest, move on. Because there's going to be more decisions down the pipeline. As some would say, you can't win them all. But it isn't a win-lose situation. It's a, a group that we're working with to come up with what they feel, what I feel, what we feel, is the best solution to the problem at hand. Ms. McWhorter. So as a chemist, I'm faced with this on a daily basis. I go and I give an idea to my boss or his boss or, or whomever, and I'm told no. And I, and I have to go forward then and give a fact-based um, reasoning as to why my idea is a good one. And often, I'm told no. It's not going to work, and we don't want to go down that road. And so you just have to step up back and, and um, put it aside. Put your feelings aside about it. You know, you can't become emotionally attached to it. But you have to, as a, as a minority opinion, you have to put forward your opinion in a respectful manner. You need to make it a fact-based um, presentation. Of your, of your opinion, and when the voting is done and over with, you have to move forward with the information that, that was voted on, and even if it's not what you wanted. Thank you. Ms. Hogan? I don't know if you've noticed yet, but I'm a passionate person. Um, so I love debate. And I think it's healthy. I think it can lead to, when done properly, I think it can lead to really creative solutions. Um, I'm a passionate advocate for what I believe in. However, I also think that once a decision's made, it's really your responsibility as a board to get on board and to move forward. As I said before, if we continue to look backward, we don't move forward. That's the problem. We need to look forward. We need to keep moving forward. We need to to keep that in mind. Everything's not gonna go the way we think it should or the way we want it to. Sometimes we have to compromise, and that's just the reality of life. Ms. Stamen? 
I've been in the minority for many things in my full-time job and presenting something to the owner of my company and he says, nope, not happening. And I'm like, okay, I understand why, give them the explanations, you know, why I'm making this recommendation. And I you know, understand, I'm like, okay, fine. And it's still there in the back of my mind, but I know that I need to do the right thing and move on and work together with the rest of the board to accomplish the goals. We're there for as a governing strategic body, and that's what we need to do. And it's not bringing up the past and saying this and that and this and that. We need to work together and move forward to accomplish those goals. Mr. Board, I read where Harry Truman, when he was only a U.S. senator, uh, would argue and shout at his uh, opponents across the, the Senate floor, and they would have uh, heated arguments. And when five o'clock came along, they all go in and play poker together because they were still friends, even though they were fervent advocates for their position just a few moments before. That's how I feel about this issue. I, I feel that I should be a fervent advocate uh, for my position and uh, try to convince my colleagues about my views and my position, hopefully sway their vote. If I succeed, that's great. And if I fail, I'm in the minority, okay, well then, the vote is taken and we go on to the next issue where I can be a fervent advocate for whatever side I choose on that issue. If the original issue would happen to come up at some future time, okay, we pursue it again. But we don't take it personally. We should not take it personally. It should be on a professional level. It should be mature and prudent. And remember that example of Senator Truman. Thank you. The uh, next question uh, is related to some earlier questions and answers that we had, but uh, we're going to address this issue to a certain extent once again. The question being, the district uh, recently lost another central office administrator. Should the board address all the central office staff regarding the issues? That is, should the board sit down with the entire central office staff as one group and, and address the issue of folks leaving and not staying longer in the school district. We're going to begin with Ms. McWhorter. So we have had a, a huge turnover of uh, our central office administration and um, as well as some of the principals, you know, we lost Dr. Cooper as well. And, and I think that when people see new and better opportunities come along that they're interested in, they've got to follow their hearts. Um, I, I think that the environment that has been put forward over the past several years by the school board um, with, uh, you know, by minority members of the school board have not made the central office, a, a, an enjoyable place to work, because that's what's important to me, is that I have an enjoyable place to work, and I hope that's what's important to the people that are there as well, that they have an enjoyable place to work. So we've got to make it, I think that it's the board's responsibility to make sure that we've got an enjoyable place for, for, the, for our administrators to work. And uh, do, do we need to sit down with them? I think that's 
sure. If, if that's our responsibility or Dr. Bevan's responsibility, but you've got to follow your heart in what you're doing. Thank you. And I just lost my train for a minute, and I apologize. We are going to uh, Lisa Hogan. I apologize. That's a sign of something. I'm not sure what. Thank you. So, um, you know, our administrators, they deserve to be treated as professionals. And I don't know that that's always been the case, especially when it comes to board politics. Um, for purposes of collecting data on why people are choosing to leave or what their workplace is like, I mean, I don't see an issue with someone sitting down with them. I don't, sitting down with them, I don't know that it should be the board. I do believe that Dr. Kim conducts exit interviews when employees leave, and she does ask questions um, about why they are leaving. So I know there is um, some data collection when that happens. I do apologize, I did lose my train, so to speak. Who did not answer this question yet? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I think this is something that certainly is dealt with through the superintendent. However, I would never turn down the opportunity to have some dialogue, but whether it would be an official board capacity, I don't think that that's really our place. I think that's something that superintendent needs to address us. We certainly don't want too, too many opinions going on either. Uh, so again, I think that goes from the top down, superintendent, and then uh, certainly have us involved, uh, but no official board uh, meetings. Who's remaining for this question? Go ahead. You know, I'm, I probably should say, my wife says I'm probably gonna get the, the boot after tonight because this is, <laughs> this is bad news to Demera. I think we'll keep them. And she's a tough timekeeper, that's great, good. Anyway, in this situation, uh, I believe uh, with a, a big turnover in the central office, I think it's uh, the job of the superintendent and board president to uh, conduct an exit interview of some type to ascertain why those folks are leaving and uh, if there's something that can be done by the board, uh, then the superintendent and board president can come the remaining board members and discuss that issue. But it's not something I believe is for the full board. It should be the superintendent and the board president to uh, find out what's going on and uh, why folks are leaving the way they are. Who's next? Ms. Stamen. So where I work, we do a best places to work survey every year and it's given to our entire staff over six different offices, so we're able to see trends of you know where there are issues in departments. And I'm not sure if the district does something like that, but it may be something that we look at going forward as, so we can start seeing are there issues in certain areas that you know as the administration or the board needs to be aware of. Regarding administration leaving in the central office, um, we know it's been a lot of board behavior and interactions, and it needs to change, but as, 
Rod said, um, I don't think it's the job of the board to handle. I think it is for the superintendent, um, Dr. Kim, and possibly the board president to be part of that conversation to figure out what can we as a board do better to help keep qualified staff in our district. Thank you. Did I miss anyone for that question? Okay. We're going to get back on track now. So the timekeeper says she made a minor mistake, so now we're even. <laughs> and, uh, well, you got bloopers here and there. But anyway, thank you all for being uh, understanding. I do apologize for that. The uh, next question, we all talk about having bucket lists. Let's think for a minute about having a bucket list as a school board member. I'd like you to name or describe one bucket list item that you would love to see happen or see accomplished as a school board member. One bucket list item that would be on your bucket list to get uh, to see accomplished or get accomplished as a school board member. We are going to begin with Ms. Hogan. So I think my bucket list is uh, really for fully funded schools. <laughs> that's uh, the one thing I re really, really would like to see. However, I do know there is a planetarium over at East that is currently not staffed and therefore not being used, which is a real, it's a real shame. And I think that would be a great thing to bring back to the district and for our children to be able to utilize and learn from, um, especially in those middle school and elementary years where they are so, fascinated by what's happening in the skies. I think that's that's really something great. Ms. Damon? Um, for me, it probably would be starting foreign language at a younger age. Um, I think we start at eighth grade in the district, and knowing, you know, I taught my kids a little bit of Spanish when they were young. They picked it up quickly, and I know my daughter is going to struggle next year when she goes to eighth grade and has to start learning a foreign language sometimes English is really hard. So learning, you know, I think just learning that and then, you know, yeah, just foreign language. Mr. Board, the moderator's going to reprimand me. I have two things. First thing, most important, is to right our financial ship in our school district. That is the number one priority for, for me and should be for everyone. And then secondly, a uh, possible bucket list item would be foreign language instruction in the elementary schools, as Ms. Stamen mentioned. I've often thought that's something we're missing, and if we could afford it, we should try to do it. Mr. Hemingway. I would like to be able to change the environment of our schools. Being a substitute doctor in every building, and then seeing the working conditions, seeing the Restful environment. I hate to say that, but our kids are stressed. I want to hear. I've heard stories of students talking to their teachers and the teachers, which I don't. Which is nowhere near appropriate. But saying how much they don't like working for boys and men, how they wish they could go somewhere else. Then on the contrary, I just heard last week uh, of parents that they're having the kids coming home and being excited about their school day. Now, I know they're tired. I know they have other things that they're doing. But I want a I sense of pride back in our school. 
schools for kids are coming home in spite of to tell their parents what they did. I wanna, I wanna hear stories of teachers being excited about their school days. I wanna give them some, some relief. We talked about salaries uh, for, for our employees. I think a lot can be accomplished through work environment, make it more enjoyable. Um, give a sense of pride, more pride. We have some very loyal people in our community, but I want them to say, yeah, my kid goes to Boystown. I want our kids to like, all right, right, I go to Boystown. So that's one major bucket list that I'd like to accomplish. Ms. McQuarrie. I've loved all the answers so far. <laughs> I could agree with everybody here. Um, so I'm gonna be like Mr. Boyer and say two things. One, um, financial, getting our financial ship in order. And the other one is um, an environmental class. I recently, a couple years ago, I had to take an environmental class. And with the environmental crisis and climate change that's going on, I think the kids need to be aware of uh, what they can do for the environment and, and the different things that they have going on. Uh, so that's it. My first thing on the bucket list is the financial crisis that we're solving that. Thank you. Next question this evening. How involved, uh, this, excuse me, it is a two-pronged question. How involved are you currently in the Boyertown area community? And is that important for a school board member to be involved in those activities? How involved are you currently in the Boyertown area community? And is that important for a school board member? We will begin with uh, Ms. Stamen. I've been very involved in the community since I moved here in 2002. Um, when I started, moved here, I joined Building a Better Boyertown on the Promotions Committee. After that, I sat on the PCO board at Boyertown Elementary for two years, and I'm still actively involved in volunteering for that. Uh, I spent four years coaching Boyertown Optimist Cheerleading, and I was recently on the steering committee for Preston's Pantry Project earlier this summer. School board directors are volunteer positions, and you're serving your community. And I think it's very important that you are involved in your community, whether you sit on a school board or not. Um, and I think, you know, from my experience, it just shows that I'm dedicated to this community, and whether I get elected or not, I'm still going to be involved and give back to the community as much as I can. Mr. Board. Thank you. Before I was appointed to the school board about a year and a half ago, I had been serving the Washington Township Zoning Hearing Board as a member and chairman for about 25 years. And uh, I, I made a list, when I was preparing for tonight, I made a list of all the activities and events and things that I have been involved in over the years from being a, a homeroom dad at my daughter's school at Washington Elementary back when she was in elementary school to uh, what I'm doing currently, and I counted 20 items. And I'm not gonna read them all off because the timekeeper says I have one minute. It would take a lot longer than that. If you wanna see all the things I've been doing and activities and volunteering I've been doing, I'll leave my tablet open. You can read it yourself. It would just take too long. Sorry about that. Mr. Hemingway. I've always been involved in my community, watching my kids grow, enjoying my kids grow, being of their lives. I was on the school board, or the YMCA board, volunteered. 
teacher told some parents during a parent conference that Votech students are for the most part lazy and most will amount to nothing worthwhile. If you were sitting in that parent conference as a parent, how would you respond to that teacher? We will begin with Mr. Boyer. 
As I said in the opening uh, statement, I'm currently serving as the alternate representative to the BCTC Governing Board, the Joint Operating Committee. And BCTC stands for Berks Career and Technology Center. Boyertown School District sends the most students of any Berks County District to that school. I think we're up to about 300 kids now. The careers that the kids are studying at that school are absolutely phenomenal. Electricians, plumbers, carpenters, HVAC, um, dental technology, and just a, a list that's too long that the timekeeper won't allow me to list here because there's too many. The kids who study in those fields go on to great careers in various trades. Some go on into uh, college programs. One of our friends from church just uh, was in the uh, CAD drafting uh, curriculum, and he's up at Penn State studying engineering right now. So it's an excellent school, an excellent program, and I think the teacher uh, who mentioned that to the parent was uh, very uninformed and ignorant of the things that are actually going on at Burke's Career and Technology Center. It's an excellent school, and the kids go on to excellent programs. And I, I would encourage uh, as many kids as possible, if you're not interested in college or the military, then look at uh, BCTC as a possibility. Mr. Hemingway. Some of them I compete against now. They're not quite as good as I, but they're my colleagues, they're my friends. We compete, but I bounce ideas off of them all the time. And when I say by them, some of these kids are 18, 19 years old, and they're brilliant. They, they need to be inspired. We need to make sure we give them that opportunity. So to say that they're lazy, oh no, you're failing that kid if you tell him lazy, let's inspire him, let's give him opportunities. See what he can build, see what he can come up with, but they have to have that opportunity, we have to embrace them. Some of my best friends came from some of these good tech programs, and I consider them my equals. Ms. McWhorter. So I would, if I was a parent in that situation, and being the person that I am, I would start throwing facts back at them. <laughs> and um, I, we need more tradespeople. These kids that are going into um, BCT, uh, going up to the Votech programs, they're actually probably smarter than the rest of us because they are learning a skill. That they can use when they graduate from high school. Not everybody is ready to go on to college when they when they leave high school. And I I accept that. And I, I think it's important to have a skill when you do leave high school if you're not going to go to college. And there's nothing wrong with it. And I think I think it's a it's great if you're going into a trade because we need tradespeople. I think the average age of an electrician is in their 50s, 55 maybe. Uh, we need tradespeople. Thank you. Ms. Hogan. Thank you. So, 
As for what I would have said to the teacher, I will say nothing that I will repeat while being recorded. Um, I would have definitely emailed the building principal and copied the superintendent, let them know what I heard and how um, concerned I was that a person who would say such a thing is working with children. Um, last year, I was actually the only community member to show up and tour the BCTC with the school board, so it was a bit awkward because I was like following them around like a little duck. Um, but I was super impressed by the building and by the programs. It is an amazingly impressive place. And I'm gonna echo what everyone else said. We need trades, we know that. That's why people who are working in trades are making so much money. My husband is a blue collar worker. He was raised by a single mother. He went to vocational school. He joined the US Navy and then he became a Philadelphia firefighter. And I honestly could not be more proud of him. My son is, he just took the test for the Philadelphia Fire Department and I could not be more proud of him. I think every child should follow their path. Ms. Damon. I would just echo what Lisa said about um, reporting the incident to the building principal as well as the superintendent because it's very inappropriate for a teacher to say something like that and be informed about what opportunities our students have at BCTC. Um, I work for an HVAC provider. Our technicians work hard. I went to the office this morning. One of our techs was out at 3 a.m. for a no heat call. They work all the time. They work in crazy conditions of climbing in attics in the middle of the summer when it's hot. I know trades are needed. We struggle finding technicians and drivers for our company. And if somebody's passionate about doing that, then let's give them an opportunity. I was recently on Facebook and I had seen a parent post, you know, my daughter's thinking about going into diesel technology. And she's really concerned that it's a male-driven industry. And there were so many supportive parents that said, go for it, do it, because the industry is changing and more women are getting involved in those type of technologies. Thank you. This will conclude the questioning or the question segment of the evening. We're now gonna move on to closing comments. Each uh, candidate will have one minute, 60 seconds to offer closing comments. And we will begin with Mr. Hemingway. Start off, I'd like to thank everybody for, for being here and listening to us and asking some pretty tough questions. I'd just like to say I, I'm looking forward to the potential of the opportunities for serving on your school board. I'm also looking forward to the opportunity to working with the individuals you see in front of you. You're missing one, Ryan Lee, a good guy. I look forward to working with him. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to be here tonight, but I think he had some issues that took a lot of his, his control. We're all individuals. Lisa and I, we're learning to fight fair. I enjoy her. I'm volunteering my time. I, I want to do something that I'm going to have fun. If we're having fun, we're going to be productive. If we're productive, then we're going to have results. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in looking back at this argument, that argument, who did this, who did this. No, I want to work. With, I want to work with friends. I want to work with people that I get along with. And thank you very much, Ms. McWhorter. 
I'd like to thank all of you for coming out tonight with this really bad weather um, and for the great questions that you put forward. Um, I just want to go, go forward, give back to my community in, in a way that I think is useful and in, in everyone's best interest. Um, I have a lot to offer and I think that you know, if elected, then I can help with the school, help with the issues that are, are facing the school board and that we can solve some of them. Um, or hopefully all of them. Wouldn't that be great if we could solve all of our problems? That would be wonderful. Um, yeah, so thank you again for coming out. I appreciate everyone who, who braved the weather. Thank you. Ms. Hogan. Our district is facing a serious financial crisis. We have critical staff shortages and we're facing tough decisions on if we will close a school and what redistricting will look like for our students and their families. These are just a few of the issues we will be tasking our school board with in the next few years. It is more critical now than ever before that we elect informed, mature, and responsible leaders to the school board. Our current students and future students deserve the same high-quality education that Boyertown schools have been known for. A thriving school district isn't only good for students and families. It's good for the community as a whole. Communities with high-performing school districts experience a decrease in poverty and malnutrition, decreases in crime, and increases in economic growth and property values, as well as having citizens who are more healthy overall. High-quality school districts help create thriving communities, and that is good for all of us. Thank you all for coming out tonight. Please, please remember to vote on November 5th. Statement. I just want to thank you guys all for coming out and um, engaging with us this evening. It was really great. Um, so we know the school board plays a critical role in determining the policies that will improve the education of our children. We are facing major financial issues in our district, and I believe that working collectively with the community, we can find creative solutions to address our challenges while maintaining the high quality education we have come to expect. If elected, I will ask in-depth questions about policy and programs so we as a community understand how they translate to the classroom. I'm committed to continued improvements and to taking our educational system to an even higher level. I would be honored to serve on our school board, school board and ask for votes from Region 2 residents on Tuesday, November 5th. Thank you for the opportunity to participate in tonight's forum. Mr. Boyer, I'm looking forward to serving in the four-year seat in Region 1. Uh, it's been a, a real challenge, but a real uh, interesting uh, pleasure, actually, for the past year and a half to serve on your school board. I hope to continue doing that again. I believe that the decisions I made uh, while serving were mature, they were professional, they were prudent, and they were based upon uh, data-driven uh, decisions. And I, I hope that I, I, I expect and I uh, would anticipate that I would continue in that if I would, were to serve for the next four years in that four-year seat. And I want to thank everybody for participating tonight. I'm looking forward to serving with some of these folks for the next four years. I just uh, want to say I'm very sad that our uh, missing candidates uh, are not here, and I wish they could have been so we could have heard uh, their ideas on these issues. Thanks. Thank you. A few quick closing comments. Um, thank you all for attending.
attending tonight. We truly appreciate it, especially with the inclement weather. A reminder, the election is on November 5th. Please remember to vote and tell your friends and neighbors the same. The full slate of Boyertown School Board candidates are as follows. Region 1, Rod Boyer, Melody McWhorter, and Christine Nyman. Region 2, Lisa Hogan, Heather Stamen, and Jim Brophy. Region 3, Brian Hemingway, Brian Lees, and Roger Updegrove. And it's important to note, once again, that all of the candidates were invited this evening, and uh, there were multiple notifications made to each one. I think it's important to note that. I, I think uh, it would be important to thank our esteemed timekeeper, Diane Davidheiser, for an excellent job. And I think a round of applause is in order for Rod Boyer, Brian Hemingway, Melody McWhorter, Lisa Hogan, and Heather Stamen for participating. And we also thank the videographer. We understand that this will be on YouTube. And uh, tell your friends and neighbors, I know many folks didn't come out tonight because of the weather. Make sure they take time to view it. Uh, remember, Tomorrow to, if not hug a friend, certainly say hi to a friend or a coworker or whatever. Life is short, life is precious. That's the only uh, commentary I'm gonna make this evening. Thank you for your indulgence and have a safe journey home. Good night. <laughs>